WATD presents John Paul, the car doctor. All things automotive. Have questions? Call 781-837-4900. Now, here's John Paul, the car doctor. And good Sunday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor program on 95.9 WATD. My name is John Paul, the Car Doctor, here to help you with your car problems. And I think today we might be doing a little bit of trivia, too. We'll see about doing that. Um, or maybe we'll hold off till next week because uh, Jesse might be having some technical difficulties and trivia might be an issue. So maybe we'll, we might hold off for that. Um, I've never had technical difficulties. Uh, or he's never had technical difficulties. One or the other. I, I don't. I don't know. So, uh, uh, but uh, we might do, we might do that. But right now we have uh, old friend Sam Fiorani. Sam Fiorani is vice president at Auto Forecast Solutions. Sam, good morning, and thanks for joining us on the Car Doctor program. Good morning, John. Great to be here. Well, tell us a little bit about you and Auto Forecast Solutions before we get moving along here. Uh, Auto Forecast Solutions uh, provides an analysis, forecasting services, uh, any kind of uh, information to the automotive industry to help suppliers, to help ma- manufacturers, financial houses, anyone who has business in the industry uh, do their business properly. Uh, myself, I've been, I was a journalist, I've been an automotive historian, and I've been an analyst for the last 25 years. And, yeah, you know, you're somebody who knows, and, and I mean this in the most complimentary way, um, some really obscure, weird stuff. Oh, I, I pride myself on that. Uh, we have, you and I have talked many times about some obscure vehicles, and uh, I always love the, the weirder the better. And it, it's, it's all great stories in automotive history. It's fantastic. Yeah, yesterday I was at a little... Um, uh, uh, car show, not really a car show, more of a more of a cruise night kind of thing. And I kind of walked by, and I'm like, "What the heck's that?" And it was a uh, uh, Chevrolet Caravan, which is sort of a half Opal, half Chevrolet, made in Brazil. Right, right. Um, was there a short wheelbase Cadillac Seville at that show? There was. Yes, I, that's that's a, a great little. Uh, footnote in history in the early uh, late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, it was. It was uh, that. That was interesting, and the Seville was kind of interesting. Apparently, I was. I was talking to the guy who. Uh, it was a. It was once a four door Seville that a company out in California hacked the roof off, turned it into a convertible, shortened it up, and uh, th- they made about a thousand of them. And if not to. Um, gather a certain amount of attention. He also walked around with a four-foot-long iguana on his shoulders. <laughs> it, it takes all people in this, in this hobby. It, it, it really does. And what, I'm, what I've been pleased, and I've seen it a couple of times lately, is um, more younger people are starting to, it seems like they're starting to discover cars again. Well, the rumors that the new generations of, of young people didn't want to drive, didn't like cars. That's, that's all bogus. Um, they've been interested in other things, but as they've gotten older, as they've reached 16 and 18 and 20, uh, the interest in cars has re-blossomed for them. And it's, it, the, the death of the automotive hobby was way premature. 
Yeah, I I think so too. I mean, I you know certainly I guess if you talk to people that live in you know Manhattan or someplace, they they might not be getting their driver's license till later in life or something. But the idea that they're not enthusiasts, I still think they are, and I think some of it is they're enthusiasts on a different level. Maybe maybe they're enthusiasts watching video games and looking at the latest greatest thing that gets snuck into a video game sometimes. Well, each generation has had their own thing. You know, in the in the 50s, it was hot-rodding Model Ts. Uh, in, the, in the 60s, it was muscle cars. Uh, our generation was, you know, what was on TV in the movies. And now it's video games and what's on social media. And, and there are plenty of cars out there and all those things. Yeah, there really is. You know, one of the things in your and you send out you send out email reminders about what's new with your company all the time. And one of the reminders that came out was, um, you know, don't write off the internal combustion engine as much as you know you 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 know electric vehicles are kind of you know everybody's favorite topic right now. Internal combustion's still alive and well, right? Absolutely. We're we're in an age where we're transitioning between two different technologies, and it will take a long time to make the transition. Normal transitions in the in this type of is is a natural thing. It's something comes along and it's and it's better, and it the progression from manual transmissions to automatics, from uh, carbureted to fuel injected. All these things have taken time, but they have been an improvement in the industry. This one, electric vehicles are fantastic vehicles, but right now the transition is being pushed by regulation. It's emissions. It's uh, we're tr- we're trying to get cleaner air, and this is all a great thing. And electric vehicles are a step in that direction. The problem is that electric vehicles aren't the perfect vehicle for everybody yet. They will be. We're the we've been developing the internal combustion engine vehicle for the last 150 years. And so we've been developing the modern electric vehicle for, oh, maybe about the last 20 years, maybe maybe 30. It's, it's taken a long time to get to where we are for internal combustion engines. It'll take a long time for, for battery electrics to reach the same parity with an internal combustion engine. And like I said, it's, it's regulations that are pushing it. We want to make sure that the next generation of cars are cleaner than the last one, and this is... This is the way forward, and electric vehicles are part of that development. But we'll also be doing uh, a transition where the internal combustion engines will still still be relevant, and the engineers will make them cleaner. They've been doing it for the last 60 years, and they'll continue to do it until uh, a point where uh, electric vehicles can surpass the ICE completely. Yeah, and I mean, and it may not be the electric vehicle that's powered by a battery, and it may not be the internal combustion engine that's powered by gasoline. Um, who was it? Uh, was it Honda or Toyota that just showed a hydrogen-powered internal combustion vehicle similar to what BMW tried a bunch of years ago? Oh, yeah, no, uh, BMW was trying them uh, about 45 years ago, and there are going to be other fuels that could give off the the inevitable uh, demise of the ICE, but it's but that's going to happen decades from now. In the meantime, uh, BMW is testing alternative fuel. Or Porsche is testing alternative fuels. Everybody's testing hydrogen. Uh, we're looking at uh, fuel cells in the long run. 
that will that could replace battery electrics altogether. These are steps along the way, and it's going to take a long time to develop them so that they are practical and and complete replacements for what we have today. Yeah, and you know, part of it, I think, is that when we look at all these, and and I I love the term you looked that said, you know, right now, electric vehicles are being driven by regulation. It, you know, at some point, electric vehicles are going to be driven by consumer demand and and you know, manufacturing and profitability. And at some point, and it happened, I don't know, maybe 35 years ago when the federal government said to vehicle manufacturers, you have to make cars that are going to get, you know, this gas mileage and be this clean. And at one point, the vehicle manufacturer said, eh, we can't do it. We, we, we need more time. And I kind of wonder if, you know, some of these deadlines we hear, you know, 2030, 2035, all new cars have to be electric. You know, when that time rolls around, you know, will the consumer be demand be there, and also will the manufacturing and engineering capability be there to do it? Oh, we'll be there. The um, the transition for in the mental state of a buyer is slowly happening. You see more people who were thinking that they could buy an electric vehicle for their next vehicle. It's it's going to happen progressively. When we had the same mandates or similar mandates in California back in the 90s, they said by the end of the decade, every manufacturer, every large manufacturer would have to have 10% of their fleet be electric. Well, they backed off on that because the technology wasn't ready. Technology is far better today, and the demand is there today. Right now, now we're still going through the uh, early adopters, and those early adopters are going to be satiated soon. And after that point, then we're going to have to find real people. We're going to have to find everyday drivers who are ready to, ready and willing to turn in their their uh, V6 Explorer for an electric crossover. And, and it will happen, and it, it, it just takes a little more time. Yeah, and it, like you said, it will happen. And, you know, charging is always an issue. You know, I live in – I we – we sold our house we lived in for a bunch of years, and we moved into our our summer cottage, and it has, you know, on a good day, it has a 100-amp electrical service. It isn't something that I'd probably want to, um, you know, hang a 40-amp charging station on the side of the house with right now. So, and I think, you know, where, you know, perhaps where you live out in uh, Pennsylvania and here where I live in New England, there's still a lot of old houses and a lot of antiquated electrical service uh, that are all going to be need to be upgraded because as much as we're you know, we're starting to see public charging where I live right now within 10 miles of me there is only two level two charging stations and one isn't open to the public it's at a hotel and it's only available for hotel guests the other uh, belongs to the electric utility but it's sort of in the middle of nowhere so you go out there to charge you really need to have somebody pick you up and you know come back with you in four hours and the next closest place is the local mall which is which is 25 minutes away uh, which does have level three but it gets a little bit pricey sometimes especially if you're not paying attention yeah no you're you're looking at two different things here we're, we're looking at home charging and the, the the grid will have to up, be upgraded so that everybody can plug in their car mm-hmm. there's a, there's going to have to be a way to to get to apartments so modern apartments are going to have to adapt where 
every parking space has a plug. So it's not up to you plugging into your garage because you don't have a garage. Mm. Uh, maybe you live on the street. There's going to have to be you have to, you, you park on the street. You're going to have to have a place to plug your car. Uh, and then we're going to see you know new home listings lists that report they have a charger, they have a level two, a level three charger, yep. whatever it is inside the house as part of the package that you're buying the house. And that's that's going to be the main thing. The the public charging is only for long distances. It is only for, uh, because if you're driving around town all day in a modern electric vehicle, you can do that on one charge. Absolutely. You're going to need, you're going to need a charger along the highway because you're going to need to be able to go 200 miles and then pull over, have a meal, charge your car, move another 200 miles where you go to the bathroom and you, you get some snacks. It's, it's not so much making sure we have chargers at every grocery store, but in the long run, those could be a, a reason to go to that grocery store because it has a charger, because your hardware store has a charger. Any place that you would go in and shop for a length of time, that it makes sense to be the lure for that store that not only do they have good products and great prices, but they also have a charger out front. Apparently, you've seen me shopping at hardware stores where I walk in and don't come out for an hour. So, yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. Uh, but but you're right. It, and it was kind of funny. It was a couple of years ago where I talked to somebody who had a Tesla, and they were driving from, uh, I think it was Rhode Island, down to Naples, Florida. And I said to him, you know, how would you figure that all out? And he goes, you know, I'm, I'm in my 60s. I need to stop every couple hours to use the bathroom anyway. And he said, I kind of planned my trip with the with the supercharging stations and there's restrooms so i go plug my car in use the supercharger and use the restroom and he said and i'm back in the car and i drive for another few hours and then i stop again so he, he was kind of like my 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 bladder and my battery sort of in, are in sync with each other now right 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 no you know as triple a and every fancy uh spokesperson will tell you you can't drive forever without stopping for uh, a rest break of some sort, you know, just to get your eyes straight, to get your mind straight, to uh, get your bladder straight. And, uh, and electric vehicles may be the, the way to keep that regulated. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, um, you know, this, for the consumer, though, and I just, before we let you go, I just want to touch on supply chain issues a little bit. But before we do that, um, for the consumer, this really is sort of the, new golden age of the automobile has have consumers ever had this much choice before i mean you can you know i was behind a a a diesel jeep yesterday i was behind two different hybrid jeeps um there is an awful lot of choice for the consumer right now and what powers their car isn't there we've had that many times in automotive history it wasn't until around uh 1910 that the internal combustion engine took over as the dominant power source. We had steam power, we had electric power, and, and gas engines, but the infrastructure wasn't there. There wasn't the volume of a particular vehicle to lead the charge, and it was the Model T that pushed it over the top for everybody, and then beyond that, the self-starter. So it's, it, it's we've had a lot of choice throughout automotive history, but, uh, but you know, it's a, it's a great place to be right now, to be in this transition between uh, what is the legacy automakers and what is the future. And people are bringing all kinds of great ideas to the to the marketplace right now, between uh, from your low-end 
bolt all the way up to your uh, Lucid. There's a lot of stuff in there that, that is really interesting to drive, interesting to own, and, uh, and very practical. And if you want less practical, you can still go out and, at least for a little while longer, you can still go out and buy a 700-plus horsepower Hellcat. <laughs> Until the uh, emissions regulations say that uh, it's no longer feasible to build them or affordable to, to market them, yeah, that's, yeah, it's definitely going to be a fun choice. Yeah, it, it certainly is. And are we starting to turn the corner with supply chain issues? Are we starting to get anywhere with, I know we're, we're making more semiconductors here in the United States now. There was a semiconductor bill that was passed. Um, are we starting to see, you know, raw materials starting to ramp back up again? I mean, I mean, there was a there was a shortage of aluminum, and there was a shortage of aluminum because it wasn't aluminum. It was the materials that went into making aluminum. Um, are we starting to see any turnaround in that? Are you starting to see that in your analysis? The the problems we had in the past are are getting fixed because people are focusing on them. But then something else falls into the mix. So right now, while semiconductors are getting better, we're having supply chain issues with rail cars. We can't get the parts moving from uh, the West Coast to the East Coast, from Mexico to Canada. We're having trouble getting enough rail cars to move things around. So it's, it's a moving target. Well, once we fix one thing, something else pops up, and we're, we're back to uh, fighting another fight. But it's it's a constant battle. Mm. So if you know somebody, if you if you go car shopping or any kind of shopping, I suppose, and somebody says, well, you know, it could be a couple months before we're able to do this. Uh, yeah, that's entirely possible, right? It, it is entirely possible. Inventories are are growing. You have more choice when you get to a car dealer than you did two years ago when there was nothing on the lot, and uh, it, it's it's getting better. And it's a business. So they're going to find a way to get enough product out there for the consumer. They're going to make sure that, that they have a better product and a better selection of product than the dealer next to you. So it, it's, it's in their best interest to make sure there's enough vehicles on the lot, to make enough choice, and to make sure that the customers are happy for the current time and long term. Yeah, and and I think you know you know as we start to see more and more inventory, we'll start to see um, you know the 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 market adjustment prices that were you know we've seen some crazy you know uh, you know a Ford Maverick pickup truck that should sell for twenty five thousand you know has a ten thousand dollar market adjustment price added to it. Um, you know, I think we'll start to see those things go away. But do you think we'll you think we'll ever be back to the point where we're seeing cars being sold at? Um, "Quote unquote dealer cost any again? We may not get that far back because the industry claims they have learned their lesson. But uh, I have an economics degree. I understand that you know, if there's a void in the market, someone's going to fill it, and because of that, the, the prices will drop down to where it is a reasonable price for for the consumer and for the manufacturer. And that has in the past been uh, somewhere." close to dealer, quote, dealer costs yep. because there are rebates and everything else, but it, it, the prices will drop down. And right now, we don't have enough product, and we, don't have, and we have too many buyers, so it's going to force the price up. But yep. when that balances out, and it'll be another year or two before that happens, you'll see, uh, you'll see the prices drop, and, and those market adjustments will disappear. And, and you're absolutely right. It, it, it all, 
you know, seems to be in parity until one dealer, because even though there's big dealer networks now, there's still dealer networks that compete with each other, and somebody's going to say, well, we'll we'll be lower than that price. And as soon as that happens, there's that internal competition that happens, and there's that little price war that maybe goes back and forth between, you know, two Toyota dealers or two Hyundai dealers or two GM dealers, and the prices sort of just adjust themselves at some point. Until the dealer model has disappeared and that isn't on the horizon, until uh, every manufacturer is allowed to sell the vehicles direct to consumer, the price is controlled by the local dealers and the local market, and the the prices will fight themselves and come down. Yeah. Uh, before I let you go, and I don't want you to give the answer to this. I want to think. I want. I want to know if have you seen the movie A Man Called Otto? I have not yet. No. Oh, okay. All right. Because at the very end of that movie, there's a he. He gets into a he gets into a a vehicle and drives it away, and there's some issues with. Um, that vehicle, and I, I, if if you saw the movie, I'm sure you would have recognized it right away. So uh, I won't I won't take away the, I won't take away the surprise. I'll let you figure it out. So good, good. All right, hey Sam, thank you for taking all the time out of your Sunday morning and joining us on the Car Doctor program up here in Massachusetts. John, always a pleasure to talk to you. And if people want more information, it's AutoForecastSolutions.com, right? AutoForecastSolutions.com. Check us out on YouTube. Check us out on Twitter. Check us out on Facebook. Thank you very much. Sam, have a good rest of your weekend. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. We need to take uh, take a break, pay some bills. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You're listening on 95.9 WATD. When we come back, Jesse, can we do trivia? Are you prepared to do trivia? Let's do it. All right, do it, he says, in his one-word answers. So we're going we're gonna to go with that. So uh, we'll do trivia when we come back. We're also going to do a car review of the uh, 2023 Honda Pilot. We've been car review-less for a couple of weeks. We're going to do that when we come back. Talk about a few things that were in came into this week's mailbag. And, of course, if you would like to join us, our phone number is 781-837-4900. And if you saw the movie A Man Called Auto, the trivia question revolves around that. You're listening to the Car Doctor Program on 95.9 WATD. We'll be right back. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour, 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com slash join. It happens all over Massachusetts. Can you tie my shoes? In every home and every community. Be careful on your bike. Learning can happen anytime, anywhere. Hi, guys. We'll see you at practice this weekend. And no matter how learning takes place in your family's life, Desi is there as your partner. The Massachusetts Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. Never stop learning. Find out more at mass.gov slash back to school. Sponsored by the Massachusetts Department for Elementary and Secondary Education. Won't you step into the light? Hi, I'm Dan Chauvin. Step into the light and tune into Twilight Showcase Radio, hosted by Sandy Stride and Keith James on 95.9 WATD and 95.9 WATD.com. Search for Twilight Showcase on Facebook and visit twilightshowcase.org. Twilight Showcase. 
Tomorrow night from 7 to 9 on 95.9 WATD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the Car Doctor program on 95.9 WATD. Our phone number is 781-837-4900. And you can give us a call. We have phone lines open. You can talk to Jesse for a few minutes if you want. But right now, let's talk to Robert from Tingsboro. Good morning. Sunday morning to you again, John. How are you? Not too bad. Um, I have a question as far as license renewals. Uh, at 75 and 80-year-olds, are they road testing everyone? or is no, 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 no. Um, the only place I think, they used to do it in New Hampshire for a little while, and then they did away with it. And maybe they do it out in Pennsylvania. But no, the only thing you have to do once you hit, and I want to say it's 75, you have to go in in person just for the eye test. Right. So yeah. like up until then, you can do your license renewal online. Uh, in fact, if you know, for people that had a concern about, and I think it's 75, but I'm not 100% sure. For yeah. people that had a concern about that, you know, you can renew your license up to a year early. So then all of a sudden that, and it doesn't take away the other end. So, you know, if you say your license was due next year, you could do it now. And then that could get you to, you know, 20, 28 or whatever, whatever it's going to be. So 2029. Yeah. So, um, you know, you could you could renew your license a little bit early that way too. To if you're worried about, you know, waiting in line to get an eye test or or oh, that's not a problem at the AAA yep. office. Yeah, yep. I, that's usually where I go. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think. I think my last renewal was online, but then it also didn't seem that long ago that I went there. You know, at the uh, yep. AAA office, did the eye test. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, what you what you can do is you can you can try to do it online, and if and if you've already done it once online, it'll just kick you out. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, I don't mind going there. I mean, like I said, yeah. it's close, and the yeah. line is usually not bad. At the yeah, and, and and go and yeah, I mean, even at the even at the RV now, the lines aren't bad. So, but you know, we still are working kind of appointment only, which took away the big lines. So, you know, right. go go and set up an appointment, and you walk right in and walk right out, and if. Uh, uh, you know, if you if you wanted to, you know, if you do travel at all and you wanted to do the the uh, enhanced driver's license, they can do that for you too. So yeah, we have the we've got that where they call yeah. real license. Yeah, yeah we, real we ID. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay, John. Yep. All right. As always for your info. Uh, all right. Take care. Thanks. All right. Take Bye. care. Bye bye. So I said I would do trivia, and this might be a hard trivia question because it's I don't know how many people watch this Tom Hanks movie. Jesse, did you watch A Man Called Auto? No. Well, this is going to be interesting, then, because apparently no one's watched it. You haven't watched it, Sam hasn't watched it, and I must have been the only one who was bored one day and watched it. But uh, it's a Tom Hanks movie called A Man, Man Called Auto. Um, uh, it's, it's not the most uplifting movie in the world, I'll say that. But as part of the movie, him and one of his best friends in the little neighborhood he lived in uh, would go back and forth to... Uh, 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 Otto uh, or Tom Hanks uh, was a was a Chevy guy. He loved Chevrolets, and his neighbor was a Ford guy. And throughout the movie, you know, he, you know, you know, I, I think I, I think at one point, I don't know, he might have had a Vega, and the other guy had a Pinto, and then he had a Malibu, and the other guy had something else, and then he had a Crown Vic, and he had a Caprice or an Impala. And at the very end of the, well, as they were going back and forth, they, they had, they had uh, 
in the plot of the movie, they and it may have been over the vehicles, um, they sort of didn't talk to each other anymore. And uh, Tom Hanks went over with a uh, with a uh, uh, bottle of I don't know scotch or something, and uh, in that bottle, and he said, you know, we need to we need to make up for all of this. Um, and he ended up. He said, "Yeah, we do." And uh, then he went. He went on, and he said, uh, uh, "Want to see my new car?" And he shows him. His neighbor shows him a Toyota Silica convertible, and he goes, "You bought a Toyota?" And then he gets all mad at him, and walks away again. So then, um, at the very end of the movie, Tom Hanks gets in his new vehicle. And first off, what kind of vehicle was it? What made it unique, and what was wrong? There was something wrong with this whole story that goes along with it. Um, let's see here. I think we have uh, John on the line to join us. John, good morning. Yes, good morning. Listen, uh, are you there? I am. Yes, I have a question on my car. I bought it about six months ago. I had an accident with my other car, whatever the case. Yep. And um, when I bought it, I had like a hundred and say twenty thousand on it at the time. It's a Nissan Altima. Okay. It's a four cylinder. So the um, the light keeps on coming on. Check your tires. Check the. So I check my tires. I fill them up with the same amount of air and this yep. and that and this. And I went to the guy who set it off. It stayed off for a while, and then it come back on again. So then I said, well, it's going to be something, either a um, nail or something. So I did find a nail in the tire. Okay. It, it was the right rear tire. So I had that fixed. Shut it off again. A few days later, come back on. So now I'm thinking it's got to be the, um, what do they call it, sensor. Sensor, yeah. Now, what year, yeah. Ultimer, what year Ultimer is this? 2011. Okay, yep. All right. Yeah, I'm thinking it's a sensor. Well, it could it could very well be, um, you know. And mm. at this and at this point, what you kind of need to do is just you know do what you're doing right now. Just take a tire pressure gauge and you know keep an eye on the yeah. tire pressure. And uh, what happens is some of these you know some of these sensors. There's two different styles, and yes. one of them that's electronic. Um, mm they actually have a little battery inside of them and the little really? battery and the little battery is the sensor itself is is um is in the wheel and right. the um tire pressure mm-hmm. sensor eventually mm-hmm. the battery wears out mm-hmm. and when the battery wears out that's where the problem mm-hmm. is because the um you can't replace the battery you have to replace the whole sensor so when so when so when you replace the sensor, uh, which can cost anywhere from depending on where they come from, you know, uh, yeah. you know, could be could be forty dollars, it could be a hundred dollars if you went to the Nissan yeah. dealer, maybe. And the yeah. batteries, the batteries, um, yeah, the yeah, batteries last the the batteries last somewhere between seven and ten years. Yeah. So what happens is your car's old enough now where it's probably the battery. And what happens is the, you know, you may drive around town, you never see the light come on, and then all of a sudden you go for a half hour, forty five minute drive, 
And all of a sudden, the light comes back on, and you're like, what's wrong? And it's just what happens is the sensor can't transmit a signal strong enough to get back to the car to tell it the tire's working or isn't, the tire pressure sensor's working or isn't, so it turns the light on and says, oh, there's a problem with the system itself. Um, You know, if this was my car, you know, at least in the short term, I would probably just um, do nothing more than... uh, then check the tires once a month with a tire gauge and make sure they're okay. Question I have with this: What about getting a sticker on the car? The lights still on. That the uh, yeah the that that's the that tire be the problem. Okay. Yeah, yeah the the and and actually. I have to, I have to, I have to think this through now because the rules have changed a bunch of times on whether the uh, whether that is allowable or not. Let's see here. Let me um, because what happened was originally, if you had an airbag light on or an anti-lock brake light on, something like that, you would you would pass. And then they said, no, no, we're changing the rules a little bit, um, and uh, they're they're saying. Um, you know, right now it says the safety feature alerts the motorist of a tire pressure problem, but is not part of the Massachusetts vehicle check safety inspection. Vehicles cannot be failed for a tire pressure monitor lamp is illuminated. So that's that's the according according to according to the. Uh, yeah. Well, no. According to the internet, uh, you know, from the from from the mass vehicle website, it says right. It says right now, in, unless mm. they've changed it, but they haven't changed it online. But it says um, an airbag indicator on will fail. A brake warning light will fail. Anti-lock brake mm. systems will pass. Tire pressure monitors will pass. Stability control mm. will pass, and traction control will pass. So it says yeah. according according to this. You know, according to the Mass Vehicle Check right. website, it should pass. All right, so that sounds good enough for me. But okay. So I shouldn't have to worry about this, you're saying. You, you, according, right according, now, according, according, uh, yeah, unless they, change, unless they change the rules. But, you know, right now it doesn't look like they've, right now it, it yeah, now they, you know, they change the rules every, you know, year or so for something. But at least the, the latest thing I can find online uh, says that it should pass with no problem. So that's perfect. I mean, it runs good. Yeah. Good. You know, good. It's just a minor problem. I was thinking myself, nothing yeah. major. No. Yeah. All okay. Right, then that's good All right. To know. Okay. All right, good enough. All right. Take care. Bye bye. Our phone number again, 781-837-4900. And again, our weird trivia question, and I don't know if anyone has the answer to this. I don't know if anyone watched the movie. Uh, but I think we have Joe on the line. Joe, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, uh, in the same vein, another trivia question. The Buddy Holly story. Yeah. The movie. Uh, about halfway through the movie, you know, when he's achieving great success, yeah. he, there's a scene where he's in a Cadillac dealership. And he's sitting in a two-seater, some form of El Dorado. Now I don't know if that was just a concept car, or was that was it ever a production car? It's not a production car that that I that I have ever yeah, heard me, of. But I, yeah, I, I never. Yeah, saw, yeah. I mean, the, the early Corvettes. I mean, they made uh, Pontiac was making a version, Olds was making a version. Yeah. Uh, 
but this thing here is it's a 1957 model. It's blue with a white interior, and it's a two-seater Eldorado style. You know, maybe one of the other yep. listeners would be a. Uh, aware of it. Oh, no, uh, you know, I'm a new listener to your show. Well, thank you. Uh, I enjoy it, and I try, you know, I'm going to catch it every chance I get. But, you know, when the blues are running, I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 I can't, can't say I blame you for that. It looks like, you know, I'm looking just, I, I just, uh, you know, because I'm not that smart. I just, uh, I looked, I looked online, and it looks like that may have been, that was a, 19, what's it say here, 1953 Cadillac Le Mans in the Buddy Holly story, it says really? here. It, yeah. was, it, it was indeed one of four special Cadillac Roadsters built on the 53 Cadillac chassis. So it was a purpose-built, one of only four, and... Uh, yeah. I smell, uh, I smell yeah. Holly Roll in there someplace. <laughs> I, 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 I think, I think you could, you could be onto something. So, uh, but uh, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, the thing I just read said, you know, uh, Cadillac never actually produced any, uh, any two seat Cadillacs except for, you know, except for the uh, Alante sports car that they had. But, uh, but as far as the big ones, and it, it was kind of funny. I, I was at, I was at a. a cruise cruise thing one day and there was a there was a uh, Cadillac Eldorado Baritz that yes, I had never yeah. seen and it had a stainless steel roof and I had never seen one of those before uh, and some some of them had a uh, stainless steel chrome behind yep. the rear wheel too yep. right to the, right yep. to the rear yep. bumper. and this and this and this one did and it was a woman she was a car collector and this was one of her this was one of her cars and I had never seen it before, and it was a uh, absolutely stunning car. And I and I kind of went, was that specially made? And she said, "Well, they didn't make a lot of them." But she said, "You know, it was it was one," and she kind of liked it. But yeah, as far as the uh, Buddy Holly story, I think the two seater two seat roadster was, uh, according to this, was um, uh, was one of uh, one of four. And I guess Cadillac had the XLR, which was kind of a uh, uh, Corvette drivetrain. Uh, in later but, years too, but yeah, yeah. I was gonna but say, as far it's more yeah. modern era, yeah. I mean, but as far as a two-seat roadster from the fifties, one of four, and it was probably yeah. made by it was probably made by you know one of those car customizers. And what was the model called again? Uh, you know, it's tough to have no memory anymore. Uh, <laughs> yeah, when you get my age, bud. <laughs> uh, what was it called here? It was. Uh, it was called the Cadillac Le Mans. Huh. Yeah, it was a yeah. Cadillac Le Mans Roadster, and basically what they did is they, uh, they it looks like there, there's one, there's a picture of one. Uh, it was it, it was at uh, some. It looks like some Cadillac museum, and sure, yeah, it looks three. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Back then, they use a three thirty one cube engine, I believe. Yeah. Uh, did, did no mention of the powertrain. Uh, it says, uh, let's see, the Cadillac Oman's roads were built on a 53 chassis. There was only, uh, uh, there were uh, f- engine engine 2, 3, 4, and 91, 300. Engine number 1 was actually mounted in another prototype of a Cadillac called the Orleans. Hmm. Uh, and, uh, Sounds like a research vehicle. Yeah, I, you know, and it, it might have been one of those things that they built for a, a for an auto show or an auto rammer or something like that. But um, uh, and it said that uh, Cadillac may have chose the name due to Briggs Cunningham's successful Le Mans effort in 1950. Uh, so who knows? 
Who knows? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, good catch. Okay, bud. All right. We'll talk Take to you care. Again. Yep. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Our phone number again, 837-4900, area code 781-837-4900, if you want to call and chat with us about what's on your mind. And, again, our weird trivia question is, you know, what was what was the vehicle in the uh, movie A Man Called Auto, which apparently I'm the only one who's seen, um, yeah, with Tom Hanks, uh, who's sometimes referred to as the nicest guy in Hollywood. Uh, and it was uh, it was at the very end of the movie. And there was a couple things that didn't make sense about it. First off, they didn't talk about it. It was just he got in it and took his neighbor for a ride. And um, But it didn't kind of make sense time-wise. And if you know the answer to that, we will give you, and you have to be somebody who isn't a AAA member right now, but we will give you a AAA membership. Uh, we'll give you a special code that you'll use. You'll call the membership department and say, I won this membership on the AAA Car Doctor program. Here's my special code, and you'll get a free AAA uh, basic membership for a year, and uh, we'll make sure we'll make sure we get that out to you. All you need is a email address to be a winner uh, and a name, I suppose, and uh, we'll get that out to you. So again, what was in the movie A Man Called Auto? What was the weird part about it? And if you know the answer, we will uh, we'll, we'll we'll get you something. Um, let's see here. I promised that we would do a car review, and we'll do that. We'll do that car review just before we get to Dick from Plymouth. Dick, hold the line there for just a minute, and uh, I just want to talk quickly about the uh, about the the car that has got me around the last few days, and that is um, that is the uh, the Honda Pilot, the 2023 Honda Pilot. It's a midsize SUV that offers a spacious and comfortable interior. Um, it's got a great engine in it. Uh, it's smooth. It's powerful. It's got a whole bunch of safety features, including you know smart cruise control and all of that. Um, and, and it actually handles pretty well. The, the one I'm in is sort of the off-road version, uh, but the uh, the exterior, the uh, you know it it. it where the other ones were kind of big boxy looking vehicles, uh, this seems to have a more aerodynamic look, a little bit more modern. I hate using the term modern because what's that really mean? But it does have, you know, just a, a better look to it. If I had to find one thing I didn't really care for, the very back of it says pilot in big block letters across the back. Kind of looks weird. I don't think it needed that. I think it could have been much more subdued in that part. Um but it also, there's plenty of cargo space for, uh, you know, this can seat up to uh, eight maybe. Uh, but it has this uh, fold-down uh, middle seat in the middle row so you can get to the back seat. So uh, you can actually seat up to eight people. Um, it's a great vehicle for larger families. It's also, even with all the seats in use, it has pretty good storage behind the third row seat. Um uh, in fact, I used it the other day, ran up to get a propane tank filled. Um, like I said, plenty of performance, uh, 3.5 liter V6 engine that uh, Honda has been using for a long time. It generates, I think it's 280 or 285 horsepower, bumped up a little bit in the past year. Uh, it's smooth. It's responsive. It feels good when you drive it. Um, you know, it, it's just, it's a solid vehicle. If you're looking for a midsize and I would call this a large mid-size car, so sort of a tweener between a mid-size and a full-size car. If you're looking for, if you're looking for something like that, I think uh, 
I think this works out really nice. Uh, so, you know, if you're considering uh, a mid-sized vehicle, you've got kids and family to carry around, but you want something that's designed well, you want something with a, a good infotainment system, I think the infotainment system works really well on this vehicle. Um, my one complaint is it needs to have a tuning knob, which it doesn't have. It has a volume knob, and it has a kind of a touchscreen tuning thing, but that's kind of about it. Um, so, uh, but other than that, I think it's I think it's a, a great vehicle to drive. It has push-button shifter, which I guess I'm relenting a little bit and getting used to that. So, if you're looking for a midsize SUV, the 2023 and 2024, for that matter, uh, is uh, certainly worth considering. Jesse says that we need to take a couple more phone calls. And where are we going? We're going to, um, where are we going, Jesse? Dick, I think. Dick. Dick, let's go to Dick from Plymouth. Dick, good morning. All right, I'm here. You there? Uh, you are. I am. I couldn't be anyplace right. else. Uh, two things. Uh, this week, I heard on TV that there's a Chevrolet dealer. He's selling his car, uh, the certain, uh, a certain Chevrolet, uh, 10000 yep. below MSRP. And also, there was a Dodge dealer on the big horn or the long horn, something that ends with a horn. They were selling their pickup, 10000 under MSRP. Also, uh, my sister was in her 70s, late 70s. She yep. was going by Juniors in Middleborough the other day. And her Subaru, everything lit up and lights and alarms went off her car. She pulled in. She didn't know Junior from a hole in the ground. He sent the technician out. Reset her computer, wouldn't take any money, sent her on her way. She went to Harry's for lunch. She came out of Harry's, and her car was running. And her car, the Subaru, she has to do it by the phone yeah. to start it up. So, so she went back to Junior's. He kept the car overnight. Everything was fine. I think he might have reset it again, and he wouldn't take a cent from her. So she gave him some money to buy everybody pizza. So I think he was a very good night. Good guy, and I told him about I used to hear him on his program. I told him that I heard him on your program a couple of weeks ago. So no, that's it. Well, well uh, all interesting information, and the idea that people that dealers are selling cars for 10000 under. 10000 Under. That's amazing. Yeah, and, the MS, and, and the MSP, it doesn't, didn't say sticker price. Right. It could be, the sticker could be jacked up 15000 well, and it's almost <laughs> 10 under. And, and you, you know, what was, what, was the, what was the old line? You know, we mark them up to mark them down. Um, right. You know, and that, and that very well could be because, you know, especially if it's something like the Ram Longhorn pickup, you know, that is a that's very popular. Yeah, that's a very popular vehicle, and to sell it for 10000 under MSRP is That's almost like yeah. is almost like giving it away these days. So, hmm. Very That's unusual. Yeah, that's interesting. I was going to say that's real interesting. Uh, going to have to I'm going to have to listen to more commercials for that. Well, it was on TV, not the internet. So I, I kind of okay. believe it on TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, yeah, I agree with you there. Don't believe everything you re- you read online. So yeah, yeah. Hey, well, nice talking. Talk- Nice talking to you, Dick, and and thanks for thanks for the little note about Junior. He is, uh, you know, he's he's, uh, you know, it was his birthday. It was his birthday the other day. I don't know if I'm supposed to say, but he's actually 72 years old, and he's in the shop. He's in the shop working every day, physically in the shop working every day. You know, when I stopped in to get an inspection sticker one day, you know, he's he's tossing around 20 inch truck tires, um, and uh, you know, 
stays he stays in good shape working there. So. All, All right. right. Thank you, John. All right. Take care, Dick. All right. Bye bye. All right. Let's let's go to uh, Jim from Lakeville. Jim. Good morning. Good morning, John. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Thank you. Uh, regarding the conversation you had earlier regarding the Cadillac Le Mans from '53, yep. yep. I think yep. the year yep. it was. Mm-hmm. I I think I heard you mention earlier a guy named Briggs Cunningham. Did you? Uh, did I hear that correctly? Yep. Yep. It was. Uh, what, that was in that story. Yeah. Yeah, um, he entered a couple of Cadillacs in the 24 Hours of Le Mans. One of them was a uh, either a Sedan Deville or Coupe Deville, you know, the full size yep. caddies at the time. But he also had something called a Monster, which is a really horrible looking car. I think it was based on the caddy frame, but it's more of a box appearance. I don't think they did too well, but I was wondering if that uh, two, was it a two seater came out in commemoration, if you will, for the entries that, that he made in Le Mans. I think 53 through 56, maybe. Yeah, I you, you got me curious, so I just looked up the the Cadillac monster in the 1950 Le Mans. What a ugly-looking thing. <laughs> it looks like it looks it looks like a flattened shoebox. Um, yeah, it it yeah. doesn't it doesn't I've never seen this one before. It doesn't look very aerodynamic at all. Um, no. No, yeah, considering it, that I mean the, the race is primarily for sports cars, sports right. prototypes. I I don't know what ca- if they created a category just for that car or not, but it was it's really hideous looking. But it says it says and I don't know whose story this is. Some somebody who just wrote something. It says Briggs Cunningham was a wealthy sportsman and racer who wanted to compete in the Le Mans race in 1950. Decided to compete in a race using Cadillac cars. Cadillac was one of the fastest American cars at the time in. 1949, mm-hmm. Cadillac introduced a new overhead valve V8 engine that very much outperformed the side valve engines that were commonplace in North America. It says the uh, yeah, 331 cubic inches made a whole 160 horsepower. Um, but yep. it says the rules for Le Mans stated no internal engine modifications could be performed or uh, engine modifications. The chassis was to be stock, but the bodies and external parts of the engine could be modified to maximize his probability of success, Cunningham decided to enter one of the Cadillacs with very minor alterations and the second vehicle would have a very much modified body. He said Cunningham hired an aeronautical engineer to design the body using designs that had been tested in a wind tunnel. The resulting Hmm. design was wide, had a low center of gravity, aerodynamic and much lighter due to the aluminum body. Most people thought the design was strange and it Mm. was called How's, how's your French? It was called Le Monster by the French press. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, if you're entering in Le Mans, it would have to be called French. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it, the, the, the engine that they used was a new design. Had they been yeah, using it, 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 it before? Yeah, yeah, They were using a side valve engine until they went to the until they went to the uh, you know more conventional engine that we know today. So it said. Okay. Um, it also said that another interesting feature of the car was it had been fitted with a special five-barrel car- carburetor, uh, wow. which I can't imagine what that was. But it was uh, it was it placed it placed overall in the finish, so not not terrible, wow. I guess. Yeah, so, yeah. Maybe, yeah. It's the, maybe it's the yeah. fact that they had used aluminum panels that yeah. reduced yeah. the weight and made up for the. Uh, I wouldn't think it'd be uh, from the pictures that I've seen. It doesn't look too aerodynamically. It, it, it looks as aerodynamic as, as dragging a brick through the sand. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. 
Hey, thanks for passing on that. Thanks for passing on that information. Always, always fun to learn new stuff. So, all right, John. Thank you. All right, uh, all right. Enjoy listening to your show. All right, thanks very much. Hey, we need to take another break. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You're listening to 95.9 WATD. We'll be right back. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour, 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com slash join. Most painters you hire only do paint. Covering over rot and disrepair can lead to even greater costs down the road. Hi, I'm Sheldon Stewart of Stewart Painting, and we never cover up the rot. From Cape Cod to Quincy, we are a one-stop shop that brings carpentry to over 35 years of paint expertise. From your initial call to your final cleanup, our team assures a job done right. That means identifying, repairing, and replacing any damaged surfaces. Our carpenters replace trim, siding, and decking every day, providing a quality service that our valued customers deserve. So let our team of professional carpenters and painters bring you a peace of mind, knowing your project wasn't just covered up, but it was done right. To schedule your free estimate, call either of our Hyannis or Hingham offices, or to get a virtual quote, go to stuartpaint.com. And remember, Stuart Painting. Expect the best. Talk radio with a South Shore point of view. Hi, I'm Kevin Chachi. Join me tomorrow for Monday Night Talk, where the South Shore comes to talk. Tomorrow night after the 6 o'clock news here on 95.9 WATD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. Okay, I'm not going to give out the answer to the trivia question because I'm not going to. That's all there is to it. But if you're listening to this on the podcast, and what happens at the end of the program, we take the whole program. Jesse sends it over to me, does some magic. I don't know what magic you do to it, but you do some magic, and you send it over to me, and where the file pretty much almost breaks breaks my email when it comes in, and then I put it on my podcast site. So if you're listening on iTunes or Stitcher or, you know, or directly on where my podcast is, which is John F. Paul at podbean.com or if you go to podcast.com and jesse i'm still using both those sites i dropped anchor fm so but i'm still using those two i know you said to me i should just go to one but i'm still using the two one down one um, to go yeah exactly exactly so uh but if you're one of the i don't know five hundred thousand people that download the show every week and if you're listening to the show and you know the answer to trivia Send me an email at jpaul at aaanortheast.com, jpaul at aaanortheast.com, and uh, we will uh, we will send you something. I don't know what it will be, and please be in the United States uh, because I, I don't want to mail anything outside of the United States because I don't know how, And uh, but uh, do that. And one other thing, kind of an odd thing, I did a um, – I did a, uh, a, a kind of a review of a vacuum cleaner. Everybody says, what, what do you know in reviewing vacuum cleaners? Well, there's um, somebody sent me a vacuum cleaner, so I did a review about it. And it was called a Yeedy. It's one of those robot-operated vacuum cleaners that, you know, 
probably haunts your house when you're not home. But uh, apparently, with Prime Day coming up, there's some there's some big savings if you want if you want to interest if you're interested in one. Uh, it's a pretty good vacuum. We like it. Uh, so there you go. So until next week, well. Yeah, until next week, because we're going to be back next week. We have guests lined up for the next two weeks in a row. So until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, and if you see an emergency vehicle by the side of the road, slow down or move over. It saves lives. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.